This is episode 10 of the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast. The podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. And we are your hosts, Caitlin Deal and James Lee. Hey, Uncovered Dish Podcast listeners, James here. Uh, Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to take a little bit of time to update you on upcoming things here on our podcast. First up, we're on several different platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. If you're listening to this on our website, that's great. But if you subscribe to these other platforms, you'll be notified when a new episode is published. So go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, and subscribe. And when you do, please take the time to comment and give us a five-star rating. It it, It really makes a huge difference for us. We're also currently working on several different awesome episodes that you really should look out for. One that's coming up soon is on political divide and church unity. We'll be having Reverend Chuck Mitchell of Dobbins Memorial UMC in Delango, who identifies as a conservative, and Reverend Lisette Perez of UMC of the Rockaways, who identifies as a progressive, sit over a table and talk about the political diversity in our pews, how Christians should respond to and live in the current political climate, and how United Methodists throughout the political spectrum could move forward together in 2017. Now, without further ado, here's our podcast with the one and only Mark Miller. Mark Miller is one of the most respected musicians in the church world. He's currently the professor of church music at Drew Theological School, a lecturer in the practice of sacred music at Yale University, and the minister of church at Christ Church in Summit, New Jersey. He wrote hundreds of choral anthems, many of which can be found in the United Methodist hymnals, Worship and Song, and The Faith We Sing. Mark was supposed to be in Nashville, Tennessee, for the Convergence Music Project, is that right? That's right. But unfortunately, because of the snow, he's with us today. Yeah, so that's, you know, God works in mysterious ways, and I'm glad. fun, anyway. (laughs) Fun fact, back when I was attending Drew Theological School, I attended a class, actually two classes with Mark. Was he a good student? (laughs) Was Was he a good student? Was he a good student? Uh, You can tell. We'll edit this out. um, I'm the juicy guys. (laughs) They're always looking for ways to get get me. (laughs) Well, I think he would send like weekly payments so that he could get a good grade. So the bribes worked. And uh, no, James is an excellent student. He's one of those people you remember because he was so smart and engaged and we put an apple on your desk every day <laughs> i can see like in the front row hands folded <laughs> i sat in the front row in your, in your class i, well, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> he was an awesome <laughs> you're a great musician yourself wow, you played oh and that was awesome so yeah no for sure for the record, I got an A in the next class. I just want to throw it out there. I feel like people are going to be curious. You can check my records, check my transcripts. I got an A in Mark's class. Okay. Uh, can you tell us a little, about, uh, a little bit about your faith journey and how you got to where you are today? <laughs> That's a great question. I grew up in Methodist household. Church was a big part of my growing up. Summer camp in New Jersey was formational for me. <laughs> so Camp Aldersgate and I was going to say Aldersgate. Yeah. <laughs> yep, in the woods of uh, Sussex County in northern New Jersey was home for me for 6 or 7 years as my dad was the camp director and we lived there during the summers. It was there that I had kind of a deep experience, conversion experience if you will, connecting 
God with a community of people gathered, with singing and with being outside and talking about God's love for us. It, you know, you can talk about things like that, but then it becomes very real, kind of as a big point for me in my life. Um, and probably in high school, it was, I was 15 or so when I was sitting in my dad's office in the church and I couldn't get out the words that I wanted to tell him about myself. But when I finally did kind of come out and say, you know, I think I might be gay because I, I knew I was, but I didn't want to say for sure because I was still hedging my bets as to whether my parents' love would be withdrawn or... Uh, so, yeah, I was in that moment when I said those words to my dad and he said, you know, your mother and I love you no matter what and God loves you no matter what. That really kind of brought home to me that gospel message, which then I feel like I've spent my life trying to, to spread myself. So, and it and it's occurred to me over the years that I had a lot of support and still that question for me was a very vulnerable one and I felt insecure asking or telling him who I was and I thought, my gosh, if I had all that support, what must it be like for young people who don't have that support to try to say, you know, this is who I am, this is how God made me. And it it troubles me to think about that and I want to make sure, do my part in making sure the church is a place where everyone feels God's love. So how, how did you meet your husband? I actually never, I never heard this story, so I was curious. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, we, we first met in October of 1991, actually October 5th. You know how some of the times those dates kind of stick with you, and I'm sure I hope they do. You talk to your wife. I'll talk to your wife. April about 26 that. is when we started dating. So all right, 1991. 1991. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, right before we, you were born. Yeah, a little, little after. Yeah. Um, in still. <laughs> yeah. So we met in New York City. I had just finished my course of study at Juilliard, and we just happened to meet actually in New York City one night. I, I saw him smile uh, from across the street, and I thought, I want to meet him. And we <laughs> started talking, and it turns out we had both read the same book by James Baldwin in the last couple months of meeting each other, and that was a sign. We talked through the night. We met the next day. I, I went home to my roommates <laughs> that day and said, you know, I, I met the one. My roommates were very skeptical, of course, saying, you know, you're 24, you don't know anything. But sure enough, you know, that was that was it. So, And I have to say that I don't think we would have stayed together if it wasn't for people like our good friends and our parents. Another funny part of this, this was 1991. Of course, there's nothing like gay marriage even talked about in a public way. There was laws then being brought in Hawaii that said we might think about same-sex marriage. Of course, the rest of the country was like, that's the weirdest thing we've ever heard, or they, no one's ever talked about this. Yeah. And gay people were like, we don't know what's going on. That's <laughs> completely foreign to us. But it was in 1993 that my dad one night uh, after dinner said to me and Mike, you know, it's time for you two to stop living in sin and get married. And... Uh, <laughs> We thought, you know, he was from outer space, but he said, no, uh, you know, you need to make that commitment before God and the community that you're going to make this real. And so even for us in 1993, we thought this 
you know, this couldn't be afforded to us. But my dad kind of laid out that it's not only afforded to you, it's your kind of responsibility to to take this step. So we did in 1994 have a service of Holy Union. I mean, obviously it was not legal in, in New Jersey or the United States. So, but that for us is our, you know, June 25th, 1994 was our big service. And it was attended by over a hundred folks who were our close friends and family. And that uh, kind of set us on the course for where we are today. Wow. I mean, holding a same-sex union ceremony in a church is controversial today in 2017. I can't imagine what it was like in 1994. Was there any pushback or any negative response from your church? There were there were a couple church members who who left in protest, thought it was wrong. But it was it was very new and different for any of us, you know. None of us had been to a wedding or two guys or two women were getting married. So it was our first experience and I mean, I hate to say it, it was just as boring or <laughs> or regular or whatever <laughs> as uh as another another wedding service, but that's what it was. So the issue of homosexuality has come up in the past several general conferences, and you know you directed music and you were a lay delegate at a couple of these. And you know how have you seen homosexuality being talked about at these events? Yeah, so general conference, which of course decides the um, church law for the United Methodist Church, has sometimes feels not so connected to local church. So sometimes it feels like, you know, the local church is going to kind of support the people in that community and general conference is kind of a far off place making pronouncements that can or cannot really have large effects on that community. While you're at general conference, of course, you know, you think yourself you're a pretty big deal and, you know, you're deciding church law for this world body and uh, but it still comes down to people. You meet you meet delegates, you meet other people, and try to explain your positions, explain who you are. And, um, of course, in the issue of sexuality, it's, it can get pretty fractious and hurtful at times. You're kind of focused on that one area, but if you kind of move back and look at um, or a bigger picture, it, you can see, you know, you're involved in a struggle that's always been happening, whether it's it's over sexuality or whether it's over, you know, women being ordained or whether it's over people holding slaves. I mean, the church has always been engaged in contentious issues and people on both sides have felt very strongly, you know, God is for our side whether that's slaveholding or women not being ordained or people who are not heterosexual, keeping them out of the power structures of the church. So in the big picture, you can see that it's always a struggle for power and that people then say, well, no, this is God's will or this is the way we've always interpreted God's will. So my thought is that we always need to look deeply at the issue and say, you know, how is this different from past places where injustice has happened, but we've always we've called it God's will, or we've said this is you know a biblical teaching? What do you think will unify the church in this ta- in this area? What will unify the church? 
Do you think it'll ever be unified? (laughs) It's a good question. I mean, and again, being a student of history, in, in 1968, we became the United Methodist Church, and um, and that was coming together after segregation. You know, we had kind of segregation written in our books. That's the United Methodist Church. We're a very small fraction of the big C Christian church or Catholic church. So then you think, well, maybe we were all together as a Protestant group back in the 1500s, but it turns out, no, we were pretty split then, and you keep going back, back in history. And uh, you have the Catholics and Orthodox who split about, uh, you know, a thousand years ago. So let's go further back than that to find a place where we can be unified. Well, let's go to the Bible. And um, and you see right after uh, Jesus' uh, birth, death, resurrection, there's Paul and there's Peter and they're fighting <laughs> and they're disagreeing. <laughs> so to find a unified moment in our Christian church life, I think, is in some ways not understanding what our purpose is. Um, so we'll always think differently. The The unity of our church is really problematic when it's at the cost of somebody else's dignity and worth. So I would say that, you know, our church could find unity when everyone's respected and love for who they are and are given that sacred worth that we talk about. Yeah. I think um, a lot of people also confuse unity with uniformity. And I think there is a difference. I believe that there can be unity exactly how you said. But how do you feel with uh, the whole um, phrase, agree to disagree? Is this a, uh, an area where the church can agree to disagree? Mm, it's a great, It's a great question. And you have to, I mean, I, I do feel that people, you know, on this issue, and of course, you know, the issue is people. It's not just like... Uh, um, it's not just some idea or theology. This is right. this involves actual people. Right, right, right. And uh, I do think people of good faith disagree on both sides. I can understand someone saying, you know, Mark, I love you. Um, I never want to, you know, disparage you, but I just cannot condone for myself the idea that homosexuality is compatible with my own understanding of what God wants for my life. Um, I've met lots of people like that, and I I have to respect that. I have to agree to disagree on your understanding of that. So um, I think I, I think that that works. The messy part comes in how the power gets distributed so that, you know, it's like we agree. Sure, we agree to disagree, but you're going to still be without power. Like you don't, you shouldn't be ordained or you shouldn't be a bishop or you shouldn't get married in our church. You know, we'll agree to disagree, but the fact is the structure is still in place to discriminate and um, show favor towards a certain group of people. Um, That's you know, so it's kind of like separate but equal in some ways. That's a that's problematic for me. But hmm. that is interesting because the the biggest argument I guess going on in the church is over the discipline, right? Where currently the language is the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching is how it's written right now. And so ordination of people who identify as homosexual or homosexual unions are not to be conducted in a United Methodist Church, right? Has that played into your faith journey in any way? 
Uh, well, it, it might very well might have concretely like not pursuing ordination. In the 80s, I was thinking, you know, I don't want to go into this really unjust system and be ordained either in the closet or as or not get ordained because I'm gay. So that had a direct impact on how I was going to live out my life. If the Book of Discipline language were not the way that it was now in regards to homosexuality, if that language was just not in there, do you think you would be ordained by now? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, well, maybe, yeah. I, I, I would definitely you know, see my place in this church in a different light than if, if those rules were different, absolutely. I'm encouraged that um, today you know, I've met many young people who don't necessarily identify as heterosexual, want to be involved in the life of the United Methodist Church, seeking ordination or being in seminary. So, and they they would view the discipline as something that's changing and that the call that they feel is on their lives is kind of supersedes a book saying that it shouldn't, you know, kind of in the same tradition that Jesus would be like, no, I'm, I'm healing. And the religious authorities would be like, no, you're not because you're healing on the Sabbath. That's against our discipline. So, um, I mean, not to take the self-righteous view of the fact that, you know, we're going to follow this higher calling, but, um, you know, in that spirit of Jesus or somebody like, you know, Harriet Tubman, it's February, so I think about her breaking the law to help slaves to freedom or Martin Luther King, break, you know, being civil disobedient. So, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I see the spirit of that happening. Bishop Karen Alvido being a consecrated bishop in the Western jurisdiction. She's, you know, married with her wife, and um, that has caused, you know, some people's heads, of course, to blow off. And it's it's a very um, serious thing for many people to say we can no longer stay in this church because it's no longer united. Is this uh, something that you think about, you know, as well, like leaving the you know denomination if it doesn't go a certain way? Because a lot of people are threatening to leave if their vote doesn't go in whatever favor. Is this something that you thought about? You know, I was born into this. Uh, you know, the, 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 those words in the discipline were put in in 1968 around homosexuality. It's almost 50 years ago. So I, I we're going to figure it out. I, I'm not going to. I'm in it for the long haul and um, just going to, you know, try to stay and, you know, try to struggle for change. The United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey is having a graceful controversies event on March 4th, uh, where clergy are invited to come together to discuss a way forward for the church in regards to this particular topic. What would you like to say to those clergy attending and perhaps all the clergy in our conference, maybe even our denomination? I have a lot of love for this conference. I mean, this is the conference that raised me. Um, I feel like I know half the clergy very well, in fact, and um, have had the privilege of getting to lead in you know annual conferences or many of the churches over the years in our conference. Um, all the clergy are wanting a good outcome for our church. They want a community that welcomes people, that loves and respects people for who they are. I, I kind of operate out of that assumption for our conference and would find creative 
hopeful ways to understand that the congregation, our local church is, each local church is going to kind of have a little different take maybe. Not to say we're not unified, but that idea that you mentioned earlier, uniformity is not necessarily what we're looking for, but unity um, under the things the, the things that are much bigger uh, than the things that divide us. So the fact that we are all loved by God, children of God, we're working towards peace with justice, love and reconciliation. I think we have to look to those values. Um, some of us who have been in the struggle a long time, I'd say, are kind of tired about, you know, you know, homosexuality, homosexuality, homosexuality. Let's start talking about the heterosexuals, you know, come on. I mean, <laughs> you all are, in the, you know, you're in the majority. There's, a, you know, it, but so it's a, it does seem easier to like kind of pick on the people that are in the minority who don't have the power and, you know, rather than talk about other issues that might affect all of us. So I'm being semi-facetious, but I think, you know, and certainly people of a younger generation are kind of moving on from this topic that has obsessed so many of us who are now old. And uh, so, I, yeah, so I think we need to really move on from this topic. And it would be great to watch uh, clergy show some real leadership and understand that most of our congregations, most of the people in our country are moving towards a different place. So, and there are huge issues that are um, really concerning us right now. The one that I'm concerned mostly right now is uh, how we treat people of other faiths, particularly our Muslim brothers and sisters who are really on, in a place right now that it's very vulnerable and um, it, it it frightens me as a quote-unquote Christian nation what we could do to people of other faiths that uh, yeah might be in a very vulnerable place. I think we need to kind of reach out and protect those people when we can and use our power and privilege as Christians in this country in a way that will really show what Jesus meant when he said, you know, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. It's funny because that exact uh, quote um, was uh, mentioned by Reverend Joel Hubbard in our previous episode. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know Pastor Joel in, uh, you know Joel Hubbard? Just since he was in high school, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get out. Yeah, he used you to... guys know each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was called Jody back then. Sorry, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really bad. <laughs> he, he he was like I'm 19 and I was 11 and he was playing football with my brother in high school and but uh, his uh, his church in uh, in Boomfield Park Church uh, they made news because they started last year actually um, helping the resettlement of Syrian refugees their church his faith his conviction was that he was called as a Christian to provide or lead or guide or or love the least of these right to as you said you know when i was a stranger you welcomed me right so matthew passage right yeah 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 matthew 25 although i mean <laughs> you can look to the bible for so much around how we welcome the stranger or how we show hospitality so that's um that's kind of first on my list i guess final thoughts anything else that you wanted to share like just they're out there to the world <laughs> um well 
you know, it's funny. A lot of my friends kind of have anger, you know, righteous anger over these issues around how we get included. And I have some anger sometimes, but my that's not how I operate. I can't help but try to see the good in people and also come from a realization that someday, you know, when I'm standing on the more conservative side and someone's trying to express to me, you know, why can't you just open up a little bit? Our values will um, inform us, not kind of go against people and say that's a bad person, but to say, you know, we're going to love you through this and we're going to stand, but you won't stop us from standing up for who we are. The last thing is, uh, you should know from my class too, that I like, don't take myself completely seriously because, you know, I'm not God or Jesus and realize that humility and honesty and humor actually are good things to kind of hold in this debate. That's a fine, good final thought. So do you have any gigs coming up? Yes, in fact, uh, to celebrate Black History Month, I'm helping uh, lead a concert called Let Justice Roll, which is going to be just an over-the-top, incredible kind of gospel celebration of my, a lot of my music involved. Um, that's on Saturday, February 25th at Drew University at 7 p.m. at their concert hall. And then uh, second performance, February 26th at Christ Church and Summit uh, at 4 p.m. And um, we will be uh, yeah, a lot of gospel artists and choirs and a band, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Sounds like it. Thank you. Awesome. Um, so we ask every guest who comes on to the Uncovered Dish podcast to um, to answer this question, and it's if you had a choice of one food to eat for the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what would that one food be? <laughs> Um, as math as we like to eat, so it's a right. it's a hard question. Well, I guess my my absolute favorite food is pizza. So um, when I think about my mom's homemade pizza, I could eat that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, you've got a, t- a fruit in there with your tomatoes. <laughs> you know, you've got the protein. You the got carbs. toppings on it because Joel, toppings. which is really funny, wanted garbage pizza. Which is really interesting because you grew up together. <laughs> he had a garbage pizza, which was everything. Eggplant, pepperoni, veggies. I, I didn't know what a garbage pizza was until <laughs> he never heard of it. He made either. it himself, too, which oh. is really interesting. Yeah, we asked him, where do you get this garbage pizza you speak of? And he said he makes make it. it. <laughs> He's like, you make it. Like, <laughs> so it's like, really uh, interesting uh, uh, you guys are friends. Yes. So any toppings that you prefer on your pizza? Well, um, yeah, I guess pepperoni. I'm with you. That's my ultimate as well. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on the show. So, again, that was uh, uh, Mark Miller. You could find his information on markamillermusic.com or you can email him at mamiller at drew.edu. Thank you, Mark, for being on the show. Thanks, you guys, so much. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in today's podcast. If there are any topics you'd like us to uncover or any comments for us, you can email them to podcast at gnjumc.org. We will be posting a new podcast every other Wednesday, so if you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe to be up to date on the latest episodes. We'll talk to you soon.